0: Welcome to 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade, a retrospective presented to you by UtilityMuffinLabs.com. Welcome once again to another episode of 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade. I am Nathan. I am the Rebel INS, Bob. And uh, we appreciate you listening. Thanks for tuning in. This week we are going over the first edition of... Bruja clan book, the very first clan book to be released.
1: I'm not going over it. I'm going to tell you like it is. He's going to tell you, tell us like it is? Mate, I'm an iconoclast. I tell it like it is in my way.
0: That's good. Well, as the authority figure of the Bruja clan, I, I would like to uh, remain ever an idealist and talk to you about what has come before us and what we're working to aspire
1: towards. I can respect that.
0: <laughs> well, good, good. I appreciate that. Um, yeah, pardon our humor, but uh, the Brujah Clan book—the original one—is um, very, really the first uh, true look into the Vampire of the Masquerade clans to give you more detail than just a you know a blurb or a page or two in the main book. Uh, it goes deep into detail about the Brujah Clan and the different factions of the clan, the historical accomplishments of the clan and also gives you
1: some interesting secrets so what's accomplished about this series of books the clan books as they call them if you remember D, if you're a fan of D or if dungeon dragons is what i'm referring to if you've seen anything about them you know that they started getting very very dull with your standard classes right you had your cleric you had your hunter you know i mean your ranger and it wasn't even really there's no specialists there's nothing special about them it was Nate can play any flavor of paladin he wants to but it's still just a paladin. Right, at
0: the end of the day, you're just that cookie cutter sort of cut out.
1: And then around this time, it started coming out with a series of books where it was like the complete fighter's guide, you know, or the fighter's compendium, where it was a fighter class, but then you had like 12 different ways and powers that you can make up a fighter, and every one of them had like a history you can go with or or a way of being that they were that expanded the world that D&D had. Now, I find it interesting because up to this point, White Wolf hasn't done that. It's just been, here are the clans. You can play one. Here's the world you can be in. It was good enough. And then out of nowhere, they're like, here's the Bruja clan book.
0: Right. Right. And uh, I I want to say that at some point, they probably planned to do this. But um, all these things started to come out really within rapid succession. Rapid looking, succession. Looking, looking back at the timeline of when these books came out, you know, they were putting out a new book every uh two months or three months if that um basically they're putting out like six books a year solid
1: it truly felt like at one point i couldn't keep up i I stayed with the whole releasing i bought every single book when it was released out of the whole vampire line so i remember feeling like holy shit
0: yeah this this book was originally released in 92 chronologically we can tell that the copy that we have we have a hardcover or soft cover copy of it because i didn't make them in hard cover. but uh the the, the version that we had book Right. The version that we have is not a revised edition, but it is a reprint. So they printed them in 92, 93 going forward, and then they reprinted them again in 98. And then the new one, the new revised edition came out after that. Um, But we're not going to worry about that right now, because um, this is, again, our first introduction. And the book opens with a cautionary story, an interaction between a young vampire by the name of Dre and he is a recent embracee of one Smiling Jack. And the conversation is being had between young Dre and the uh, ancient Bruja idealist, Critias. And
1: the thing to remember here, none of these characters are irrelevant. For instance, you may remember Dre by his moniker, the leader of the Cold Dawn. That's that Dre. Mm-hmm. Um, for those of you who don't know about the, the Cold Dawn, we may get into it later. There's a lot of infamous, famous-slash- Villainous vampires that are mentioned all throughout White Wolf. This is one of their characters, and why he's relevant is because Smiling Jack is the anarch at this point. And really, he never, never changes. The gold standard is Smiling Jack. Maybe to be rivaled by other Brujah, Jeremy McNeil, in terms of relevance or crispus addicts, if you will. But that's all L.A. shit, which we'll leave for L.A.
0: Well, and in, 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 actually, uh, talking about this book, they they really give you the first indication um, of those Bruja, they do mention them after the story. And the story is good. It gives you a brief introduction to, uh you know, Critias to that Chicago by night that uh, they've been focused on up until this point. But um, then they go in and they tell you a bit about the history uh, as you would assume. Now, one thing that we've noticed, and it's a bit of a side, bit of a derailment here, but this book seems to be written from a, uh, a, a, Um, informative perspective
1: it's it's very baffling like you know off of memory nate goes man i just he got back doing a whole shit cold crap ton of laundry this week and he goes dude did this clan book was like you you know a little it was interesting you know i had all this stuff and i was like yeah dude it was written like all the other ones where it was like someone telling you the story that was a vampire of that clan and he was like no that's not dude's narrative he was like no looking in the book i can't even say it's a yes and a no it's like it's like the guy Someone mid-stream or thought decided they were just going to talk, and it leaves a big gray area as to what perspective you should have as the reader. Right. The the books that come after this from the
0: majority of the other clans, and again, this is going off of memory because we're kind of reading them as we go along, rereading them as we go along. Most of the other ones, and even into the revised edition books, are written from a narrative tale. They're written from the perspective of the author or written from the perspective of the listener someone telling them a tale. So you get to take the position of the individual either being told the story or telling the story. Uh, this book doesn't seem to be that way. Uh, and if it is, it's it's very vague. There's, right. there's nothing really there to tell you whether or not. So, so we take it from a very informative perspective.
1: One could say it's very brouhaha that way.
0: Right, right. It's, it's left up to your decision. But they start off by telling you kind of the history of the Bruja clan, but also telling you about the three variations on the Bruja clan. And
1: it's distinctive in noting, that's another unique thing about the Bruja clan. The most of their history is told from the perspective of other clans, talking about the Bruja. Like the Bruja don't care enough to know their own history, but people will tell a Bruja what their history right. is. And they'll just be like, ah, nah, fuck it. That's not what happened, right. man. Screw you. Well, the, the, the first
0: thing that <laughs> they really hammer home is that there are three distinct variations of the Bruja and they establish this right off the bat. And it seems like later on um, that sort of becomes much more fuzzy. But for the purposes of this book, they tell you about the iconoclasts, which are the fuck history Fuck the present, fuck the future, rabble rousers. Right. I'm rebelling because you're an authority. We have the idealists who, like we, you know, described earlier. <laughs> they are, they tend to be more of the philosophers. They're the, they tend to be the elders of the clan, and they believe in a, in, a, in an ideal worldview. Uh, you know, to respect the past, to move forward towards the future. You know, they see idealism. And then uh, you have a third faction, which, according to the book, uh, it's a very difficult load to tow, and that's the individualists, that they try to find an equal balance between the two, but oftentimes they end up running about things, sort of like the lone wolf.
1: But they're the most successful, because the individualists tend to be the ones that swing the most influence in the Bruhat clan, and by most influence, you may think an elder like Critias, I mean, I should say an ancient, really, he's, he's powerful, right. he's old. But the fact is is Critias was at Carthage to put it in perspective. He knows what that joint was like. And um, put that in modern terms, this is in the nineties now. And Critias is still telling, you know, his tales to whoever. And a kind of class doesn't care to listen. Individualist will only take the nuggets that help his cause forward. Which is where that balance is, if that can make sense to you as you're listening to this. You know, I'm someone who I'm gonna, I'm gonna hear what you say, but out of what you say, I'm gonna use to make sure that we're all better and we're moving forward, which fits in line with what an iconoclast wants, but an iconoclast doesn't want to put in the political work.
0: No, they don't. They don't want to do any thinking. They just want to rebel against the authority.
1: And your and your idealists are weird because the vast majority of them, there's a, there's a story that we'll get to. I don't want to get out of sequence with it. Where where they have a history they constantly refer to or is their go to, but the iconoclast always are like, well. That's you man right. I ain't
0: got time for that
1: and, and, it's, and it's strange, right because the bruja clan would be incredibly strong if the, and that's and that's another weird point this this clan book outlines that they're unified that we're together if there's ever a bruja will fuck up anybody who opposes the bruja, but internally no way right no one no two bruja agree the same right and that that's really the
0: fundamental problem with the clan. The clan is as they describe it, it is a wide and varied clan. Anybody from bikers to philosophers to architects to, to politician right, union members right, to really anybody can fit into the mold of the Brujah clan. Don't look, they have a hooker template in here, too? I don't remember. You'll have to look. I didn't actually read any of the, the old templates. But uh, one thing that they really hammer home is that while this clan is varied and their the uh, members of the clan come from every walk of life. Their real problem is that no one can agree on anything. Yeah, there she is. Bomb. Um, yeah. so, so really, it, it's it's meant to establish, like, this is the first clan, if you really think about it, for you as a player. And I, f- I feel like this is why they put this book out first, because you as a player most likely playing this game, you're probably walking a little bit of a unique path of your own. You're probably bouncing to a different drumbeat. And any idea that you have is not wrong for the Bruja clan. You and-
1: can fit anybody at any time in the Bruja clan and, in, and it can work. In my experience, if you saw any modern vampire film and came to the, your first LARP ever, even your first tabletop, and this is geared to tabletop, and, and you sat down and you were making a character, all those other clans are weird. They're going to be weird to you. Right and you don't really quite get them because you don't understand the full spectrum or what have you? And usually people will go, "Oh, the beautiful people or the rich people, so the venture and torture, but then they're way more complicated than that. I don't know enough to portray those. And then you get to the bruja and their fuck it all attitude and you know, I just I could do it my way and oh man, they're super strong and they're super fast and they just got this voice of personality. Okay, I could fit in that. I could see me kind of moving in there. When you get to the Bruja clan, you think of a movie like, I'm going to do this. Like, when you think of Blade, of all the vampire clans, who would you fit him? Blade would be a Bruja.
0: Right. Absolutely. And and all of us, if you ever played in the 90s, early 2000s, you probably walked into Blade as a Bruja. Didn't have a was choice. Them. Right. Down was, to the outfit, right? Right.
1: Um, if you think of.
0: The Lost Boys. Yeah. Perfect. That's the, that's the, the
1: next one. The, right near dark if you saw that yep. those in fact fun fun tidbit bill paxton's character was a direct inspiration i believe his artwork is even in here hmm. for the character he played which is Severn, in um in near dark and if you don't know near dark look it up because there was a bar scene in particular where Severn is exactly what they wanted for the bruja bar none like when i saw this film for the first time i had the bruja Clan book on my shelf and I was spellbound because they talk about the violence of the Iconoclast and that temper, that brouhaha rage. Right, that, that
0: you know, flashpoint. You moment. Know, twist on a dime sort of uh, eruption of violence. Right, absolutely.
1: And then, because uh, it's a group of them, right, in Near Dark, and I don't want to derail this too much, but keep the similarity. It's a close-knit group that is constantly infighting, right? Right. They can't agree on anything. The The kid in the group is actually the oldest of them. And you have the couple who are from the Civil War. Mm-hmm. Who are in the same joint you know there's a fly on the ceiling and then slits that slits that waitress's throat just to get a mug of blood in the bar right and then bill paxton says you know i know you you're mr you're mr pig knuckle and he gets <laughs> up on the bar with his freaking uh his boots you know his cowboy boots right. with the uh, spurs on him and starts stomping across and the bartender's freaking out and he's breaking all these glasses and he slits the bartender's throat with those same spurs i sat there and went you could make the mistake of saying that this is, you know, this is only Sabat would do this. It's the only thing. But that's not even true. Because if, if you recall, in the film when you see it, when they get there, mm-hmm. sure, they're trying to get one of their own to feed. The brand new one. Right. And he won't do it. He acts like it's beneath him. And then you think about the mentality, especially when you read this Bruja book, think of the Iconoclast method. You know, we're not going to tell you how to do it, boy. We're going to throw you in it. Right. And you're going to learn how to do it. And then you're going to learn how to do it right after you mess it up. And we're here to right. help you. And that's a big derail, but trust me, watch it. Bill Paxson's the one to see, and it's fantastic because you'll get a good idea. But it's a it's a very accurate representation,
0: you know, hitting on the Lost Boys as well. Like the the whole punk rock, sort of rebellious, forever young. I mean, these are all these are all themes that not only uh, are You're one of us, Michael. Right. These are these are not only appropriate to the Brewhawk clan, but they're appropriate to the actual influences of creating this game in the first
1: place. There couldn't have been vampire the masquerade without those movies no truly couldn't
0: and i and i i don't uh and i don't think um that it would be off to say that without the bruja clan there really wouldn't be a game because i feel like at all most of the people like me for instance the first character i ever played the first thing i ever read that i identified with was the bruja clan when i got deeper into vampire the masquerade that's when i started to explore those other avenues like Hey, what would it be like to play a Malkavian? What would it be like to play a Ventru? And I don't
1: yeah. know if you were like me, you felt comfortable because you had mastered the Bruja. Right. Because nobody could tell you. It was a clan that nobody could tell you you played your guy wrong. Oh, absolutely. Because it's that's a clan of everyone's a unique snowflake. Yep. And everyone does it right. Because right. you're you have Bruja on, you're good to go. Right. And and also Who you know what? For fun, who was your first Bruja
0: character? Oh, I, I can't remember names can't remember it all i can't remember names no that were this too far back i so the first the first character i ever played was in a tabletop game and it was
1: when i was i think a freshman in high school and honestly i just don't remember that far back i remember mine because i was playing in naperville on the Riverwalk. i just came back i just moved back up here from college in arkansas from i understand my fraternity right my arkansas campus my my whole my football right Now I'm up here with the gothic kids, and we're running around in the Riverwalk, the richest neighborhood in in Illinois, and I got to be a vampire. And I'm like, what? And they're like, it's improv acting. You got to check it out. Don't worry. You have, but you own Vampire the Masquerade, the tabletop, right, right, Bob? It's a a huge transition from tabletop
0: to live action.
1: And And they told me about it, and they were like, well, you own all the books. We don't even own all the books, man. But, Bob, you have them all. I was like, I do, but how do i act this like you know who's what who's the prince who's the oh dude we'll give you the loadout just come with us right and when i get there they disappear in their own social groups because everybody there is divided by clan and i'm like i don't how overwhelming was
0: it oh my god i I know for me the first time that i ever played in a larp it wasn't it wasn't as big as the game that you had played in but it was in the same place it was downtown naperville and there were like 30 or 40 people and i was like this is ridiculous like who are all these people And, you know, like, for me, it was just kind of like, okay, I kind of have to float around because I don't know, like, I know some people I came with, but I don't know who all these other people are. (laughs) And, but it gives you a great sort of introduction to even playing uh, a Bruja character or playing, playing really any character, having to come into
1: a new city and, you know, fit foe. And I I remember, I remember something. That when I got there and he left me alone, I remember the storyteller, this guy named Sam, walked up to me and said, hey, I got like 80 to 100 people around here. Some of them are playing games, some aren't. Yeah. And that's what he told me. He goes, I got about 40 active people, 80 on the roster. Some just show up to hang out. So I don't even count them. But here's what you're going to do. What's your guy in mind? And I was like, well, I was going to play this game banger named Panther. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's, I'm just going to go with him. What is he? He's a Black Panther that was embraced in Chicago during the race race riots. And he goes, "It's already more effort than anybody <laughs> here has put in their character." You know, he told me off the bat. But I had researched this dude. I had it down to where I knew who my mother and father were in real life. My dad was killed during the race wars. Yeah, that's how it went down. And then my mom just sort of tried to raise me white, right? But I was a Black Panther, and my sire was Crispus Addicts. That was the connection, right? Mm-hmm. Because I was still young to vampire, so I was like, I can get away with a famous sire. No problem. Why, why not? And Sam was like, this is beautiful. That's great. The sheriff is also a chilled of Christmas addicts. Great. All right, cool. So I have a mentor. Here's the problem. The sheriff never showed up. <laughs> never did. I played that game for three months. It was a 12 game sessions. He never showed up. Right.
0: Uh, and now you see the peril of playing in
1: a live action game. Exactly. But I do remember this. All I had to say, like I walked around and I was the only one who had a hundred percent full tilt in character. Yeah. Nobody met me. Nobody knew me. And since I was a nervous ner- Nellie at this point, I could come out of my show. Like I said, I, I was outgoing. I did fraternities, did football, did all that. But this is different. I had to act like I was this hard dude who was about black rights and black first and everything else. And I'm in Naperville, white Vanillaville. <laughs> so I come up to these kids and I remember I, had, I went in there 10 minutes before people started saying that I was some rabble-rousing anarch hellraiser. Right. Because this dude, the scenario was, you had the entire Bruja clan, and they're all gothed out. Mm-hmm. I do mean this. Right? One dude even had the vinyl pants. Yeah. You know, they had the tassels, the spike collars, the chains, and whatnot. And these were the Bruja rabble just sort of hanging around. And then there was this one dude who was dressed in a normal, a traditional brown trench coat. Had the long, dark hair, kind of pulled back in the ponytail. Yep. And he was a gangrel. Just a friend of the Bruja clan, bro. And uh, this Casey, I think his name was, when he was there. And then when I walked up, I'm like, I see a lot of motherfucking white people. <laughs> and they were all like, what? So I see a lot of motherfucking white people. You heard? And they were like, what? Uh, uh, they didn't know I was playing. <laughs> okay so that's what you gotta know because I'm wearing a leather jacket I have like martial arts patches like two of them on mm-hmm. but then I had one It was literally a fist and if you didn't <laughs> know it's, it's it's a martial art I had the patch for it it's on my shoulder and I'm standing there and I said this shit and I had this black beret kind of kilted to the side I had my hair dyed it was a bad dye job. I tried. I have jet black hair, and we tried to do blonde, and it came out with this skunk orange type look <laughs> that was just frosted on the curl tips. I remember that. And I'm, and I'm up there with that, and I got this uh, a panther tattoo. It was smooth looking. It was on the left side of my face that wouldn't come off for a month and a half, <laughs> no matter what I did. But I had nine of them. So every time I showed up in game, I put it on. I had to deal with it going to work. You know, I'm like, i was just trying to rub it off. But I'm up there. And I have these shades just kind of partially down, and I'm in Casey's face. Because he stepped up to me and he locked eyes. He was like, Who the fuck are you supposed to be? And I think Casey originally was just defending the younger crowd that was there as friends. And I was like, nobody asked you motherfucker, sit down. And he was like, what? And I was like, what? And I was like, physical challenge. Cause that's how you do challenges in that. Right. And then everybody was like, oh thank God. Oh thank God. You're playing game. And Casey's like, I was gonna die. I was gonna die. Dude, you were like at a 20 and we need you at a 10. The scale's only one to ten. Nobody does this. And everybody started like, oh man, this dude is awesome, you know? But they were all Bruha. And so they all took that right. mentality out of game. Every single one of us had this you were a bruja, you were a clan. So even if you showed up, it didn't matter. We took you under our ring because you're one of us. Right. But the very first time we sat down in a clan meeting, and I started hearing all these terms like masquerade was broken, old boys an anarch. Well, I'm an idealist. You know that kind of class will never go with this idea. The individualist is the one who called the clan meeting, and he's not even the primogen. He's right. just trying to be the primogen, and the primogen sitting back, smiling snidely, letting him have that role. I got to live and breathe what this first book's talking about because everybody went to this school because it was the easiest Yeah, because it was written, not from a historical mindset of some old vampire. It was written to just say, Hey, this is a bruja. And honestly, right. We don't even know what our, what our shit is. And
0: well, and and the real important factor here is that it's written from the perspective of revolution and every single man, woman or child listening has always found themselves, has, has at one time found themselves in a situation where they felt they were being taken advantage of, they felt they were being oppressed, or they felt like the old ways were not the good ways. And again, to touch back on this, anybody that's playing role playing games in general is probably a bit of an outcast. For sure. The Bruja clan are outcasts among their own kind, they're looked down upon by the, the upper clans, by the Ventru, by the Torador. They're hon- considered rabble. They're
1: considered disorganized noisemakers. And honestly, it's from a le- it's from a level of jealousy. Right. Because of, of the clans, their perspective of the Bruja, oh, they don't care, they don't care, but really, they're just free to make their own way. I I uh,
0: I, I I don't want to spend too much time on this, but uh, I, I do remember the first Bruja character that I ever played. I don't remember his name, and I'll tell you why I don't remember his name. I got to play him for about two weeks, and... In the game, there were like, and this again, this is a live action game. There are, I think, five other Bruja playing in the game. And uh, I'm the new guy. I'm, you know, kind of like don't really know what's going on in the city. You know, have no real allegiances. Well, these other Bruja, man, they start talking. And they're making sense. And I'm listening to them. And, again, I'm new to this game. I don't really know everything that's going on. Well, I find out that the entire Bruja clan are Sabat members. (laughs) And I am not. Oh, no. <laughs> and I'm the only one that's not. And they're like, let's recruit this guy. Because everything they're saying makes sense. Right. You know, and again, I don't even know what the fucking Sabbat is at this time. I'm a brand new player. All I knew was, I guess there are some bad guys, but these guys are talking good. Right, for sure. And uh, so the storyteller's rules about um, about uh, being being taken in by the Sabbat were the old like shovel to the head yeah. barrier you, and you
1: have to dig out the silliest rules ever
0: right and uh of course i failed and that was the end of my character so kind of a shitty start to the game it's a very shitty yeah. start to the game yeah so i got killed because i i had a differing political viewpoint and someone whacked me in the head with a shovel
1: i'm shocked you stuck with it well you know
0: i was like oh well it happens i guess and you know everybody's like oh dude we're so sorry that sucks you know they were Nobody wanted me to leave the game. Like they felt bad I failed, but what they could, what could they do about it?
1: Like if those people wanted you and thought you'd be great for it, why didn't a storyteller just fudge it and say? Because okay, storyteller didn't, didn't it. want more Sabat players, right? And he just it, just said and, that. And
0: th- these are one of the one of the things that you find when you're. in we Well, save these types it for the games, larp section. Right, exactly. save it for the larp section. Exactly. But uh, anyways, uh, moving along, I believe the next the next chapter in the book talks yeah, it was, about. It was a long introduction,
1: but it's worth <laughs> it. I think so. It's,
0: <laughs> it talks about. The history of the Bruja clan. Legends all the way back of the to Bruja. The, right, to the, to the founder of the Brujah clan. Um, and they talk about Troil. They talk about how Troil gained his power as an antediluvian from diablerie And uh, we actually get our first introduction to the little blurb on the side of the page about the true Bruja. Right. And uh, the, are they real, are they not, da da, 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 da.
1: They don't so, go too deep into it. So a true Bruja in the book, how does they define it? I mean, they're boogeymen, right? Right. They, they, they define that, you know, legends
0: would have it that the true founder of the Bruja clan, the original antediluvian that was diabolized by Troil, had his own offshoot. And those individuals were not cursed by whatever curse made or whatever, whatever scenario, we'll let you read into that later on, but whatever scenario caused the Bruja to have this constant rage roiling in them, this this hair trigger, if you will and uh they don't they don't go any further into it they introduce you to the concept of the true Bruja, and that's about it and you'll learn more about them later um but that's not for this book necessarily
1: it's like a rumor off the street right.
0: they talk about how troil and the, again this is all according to the clan book how troil came about his powers through diablerie clearly Diablerizing his sire and uh, uh then fled uh, because all the other third generation vampires everybody else wanted to kill him or her him or her one to right. kill Troil. and so Troil separates himself from the politics of vampire life and watches from afar. a lot of watching from afar in these old days. and uh, it, it sort of flash forwards fast forwards to Carthage and Carthage is is designed to recapture the glory of the second city. And uh, that, that shows you the amount of time. We have the second city, which was Enoch. Yes. All the way up to Carthage. And how the Bruja clan uh, live in harmony with the mortals. And, and it's a great uh, utopian society. And then apparently everybody gets jealous <laughs> and decides to destroy Carthage.
1: Because what's the utopian society? I mean, what they're talking about in Carthage is that they're interpreting, because even then, Enoch, Enoch was old. It was ancient by theirs. But right. to memory incarnate, the, well, as we'll refer to them, the idealist said, this is how it was. Right. And how it was is the mortals openly lived with the vampires in harmony. Meaning... They were fucking slaves. Right. The, the mortals were bound by blood to various masters and houses. Right. Um, they had no control over if they got fed on or not. They just were. Right. We we learn we we come
0: to understand that that Enoch is essentially you have blood gods that are lording over the human beings. But idealism has this way of putting on
1: rose-colored glasses. Just glass, glassing I, over those bags. Uh, we, we
0: all lived in harmony. Everybody was
1: equality and vampires and humans, and we were like best pals. And it was even more insidious in that, though, because the fact is, this is the Bruhag as a clan is kind of r- ruling over Carthage, right? Right. And what they're doing is, is their personalities are so attracting. They're just they're so good, you know, because they have a vampiric power called presence. Right. For those who don't know what presence is, it's basically the interpretation of what Dracula, Dracula has. And Bram Stoker's how Mina is mesmerized by him whenever he's around. Or he could tell like he, the way he affects women. Right. Or the way he affects Renfield. It's his choice. It's his charisma bleeding over into you, feeding on that emotion, and you want to be near them. You want to do things for him. It's just like when you when you meet a person in real life
0: and just their their charisma is so overwhelming. Their their presence, a presence about them is so like If I, if I could say like, there's a real life person with presence, it'd be the rock. Like just a dude who exudes charisma, just like, you know, everything he does during the
1: day, people are like, Oh, what's he doing? They call him electrifying for a reason, right? This guy knows no ounce of quit, no slowdown. He's all energy. And somehow he, he makes everybody happy. Right. Right. He just doesn't seem to piss people off.
0: And that is the, that's the, that's what the Bruja do. That's, that's that presence, that ability to rabble rouse, to, you know, rouse people to, uh,
1: to but riot now, or, but I'll take that individual power at its neutral. Like, you know, rock's great as one. That's how he uses it for him. Imagine a vampire using it, right? Or, screw that. Imagine yourself and you hate your job. You know, you're, you're with, or you're <laughs> with the person you want or not the person you want and you're made into this vampire and suddenly things become different because now your opinions weigh heavily in the minds of others. You know, you go, you go to work and you're like, you know, it would be nice if I just had the frigging day off and your boss is like, I agree, man, go home. You know, you've been working real hard every day and your boss is a battle axe and it's weird that he just agreed to it, but you do, you know, and then you get home and you, you wish your favorite meal was cooked and you start talking to people. You know, every gripe turns into a positive. You don't know why. You know, your every whim is just catered to. And now everywhere you go, it's like a curse because anytime you want something, you just have to bitch about it or just say, hey, I really would like it. And people are like, all right, man, here you go. That's the power of presence to someone who doesn't know how to wield it. And now you have a city full of them in Carthage, no less. And they decided because the masquerade isn't around yet. "Eh, F it. We'll just get all these. And I want you to think about the people they have with them in Carthage. They're war torn. Right. Carthage was an ideal at this point. You know, Athens wasn't far away at all. And they're trying to uh, stop the hordes because in that time and era, it was like one nation's trying to rise above another right. and be a ruling power. So Carthage becomes that ruling power because it's also a shipping hub of the known world. Right. But according to the Bruja clan, this is the greatest place to have ever
0: existed. This mm-hmm. is the pinnacle of what the Bruja have always tried to accomplish. Everyone lives in peace. Everyone has food to eat. For vampires. Right. But but according to their brain, their collective, the history, it's the greatest place ever. And the other clans become jealous of what they have, which, uh, again, this is all according to the Bruja clan book. The other clans come and uh, take, you know, Tear down Carthage. They destroy Carthage. End it. And, uh, you know, the rumors have it that the battle became so brutal and so so overwhelming that the Antediluvian Troil takes to the battlefield to fight against the ensuing hordes. Um, What ends up happening? It's lost to history. Either Troil was killed, Troil was buried at the site of Carthage, or... um, royal went into torpor because the battle was so deadly um but they they basically raise carthage they salt the ground and in the book it states they perform these massive rituals to make sure that anyone that is in the
1: ground will never come back up and they cite the malkavian Ventru and tordor as being the ones who end to this who come over and salt the earth right but Which, it's a misnomer right right here's the thing i understand this book and i think this isn't the bruja fault of the book writing it's the writer because salty earth has always been a term of dis- total destruction right that they just laid waste and that was that and and they left and who knows right but then you would hear and pl- people are how they are fans of the book were like oh no they knew a ritual right and they threw this big thaumaturgical blood right that just no vampire can ever rise out of the ground there because of x y and right. z
0: and it even says in the book there that no one can ever excavate it right so is what it is so so but but again this is the this is the beginning of the tall tales that we come to love and try to interpret in the vampire the masquerade books this is the bruja perspective whether or not it's told from a bruja this is the bruja perspective this is what they believe happened according to their lore and legend some dude (laughs) and and again uh you know you know where is this coming from right you know um, but then they go on, they go on uh historically, and they tell the tale that uh, after that the Bruja clan was full of rage, uh quick to lose their minds, quick to temper, quick to frenzy
1: no no, why yeah. was that well it's because troy was known to have that now one thing to note, and I have to point this out i don't recall Nate this is more fresh in your head than mm-hmm. mine. Do you remember reading a story where they talk about a day of life of Carthage? No, they do not talk about okay that so that's book. the revised one then yeah. that I'm remembering. That's This is one distinction I could say where this book, I agree with you now wholeheartedly, I gotta say this, and I would later on we give an opinion. This book's decent. It's good for the clan book starter. Right. This book is way better in second edition. Yeah. In terms of it fleshes out kind of gives you more of a length and breadth of each individual <laughs> uh, cast system that they've already established. But right here, it's snippets. Right. It's like the ancient days is like maybe a page and a half. Right.
0: And then they, they kind of jump forward in history pretty far. Uh, from what I remember, the the... The next tales begin about the Revolutionary War. You're America. exactly right. And they talk about the Bruja clan basically coming over here and helping all the different factions of the uh, Americans to fight against England, et cetera, et cetera, and cultivating their influence, but doing so in a way that was secret. But again, the Bruja unable to unify, unable to capitalize on the influence that they, they harvest, they basically get nothing out of it. They get the independence of the United States, which is great for the kind, but they really fail in solidifying their power because they see all of these cities start to be established in Europe. And so European vampires come over and seize control. They seize control of those cities, New York. They seize control of Chicago. They seize control of New all England, those, every, every hub. All of those places in the Bruja are left sort of you know swinging in the wind at the end of the day.
1: And honestly, they did it to themselves. No, oh, absolutely. And even they point that out. Because, like, remember, for every 15, you have a group of 15 Brewha, we'll say, in a given city, a big one. You're going to have about 11, 11 straight up iconoclasts. Don't give a shit. Being a vampire is cool as shit. I'm enjoying what I am, and that's that. Right. You're going to have maybe two individualists who are trying to get the iconoclasts to get along and listen to the idealists, and the rest are idealists. Right. And the idealists are like, well, we know how we we're supposed to be. Right. And this is what this is what we are, and you youngins better listen to me when I talk because I'm the one who actually bothers having a bank account. Right.
0: And they, they talk about the individualists who I don't have time for these rabble, and you stop trying to be a ventrue. I'm going to do my own thing. Well, right. there you go. Lack of unity, lack of and then, strength, structure. Right.
1: and that's how they get the iconoclast to like them. Oh, they should fuck you. And look what he's doing. Well, we'll hang out. He's just a uh, bad day, right? And when you look at it that way, you can't even get headway with it. But they claim, mm-hmm. oh, in Carthage it was different. Right.
0: Well, and the one thing, too, that they hammer home in this chapter is that behind every great revolution of history, there were Bruja. And that's really the defining sort of codifying ideal of the Bruja clan. They are a clan of constant change and constant revolution. Addicted rebellion. Right. Which is... You know, it seems a little insane, especially when you consider vampires. But that's their purpose. That's what they do. That's what they're driven by. And they talk about uh, uh, Christmas Addicts and his embrace, and some other
1: well-known Jerry McNeil, Christmas Addicts, Smiling Jack, yep. Marie Folkart, They're all in there. And they they, uh, they then move on to um, how the
0: the power sort of spread. The Camarilla power spread across the United States. Until you know those anarchs, those those iconoclasts are all sort of pushed to
1: the far west coast. Here's where we also see though, that the term anarch is Bruja and yeah. Bruja is anarch. I remember this this when this launched, people couldn't discern if you were a Bruja, then you were part of an and you claimed anarch. If you were not a Bruja and you claimed anarch, then you were part of a Bruha faction. Right. Anarch is a Bruja faction. That's what they have it because it's in their book, it's in their clan book. Must be them, right? And when you look at the history of the camera, as they wrote it out to this point, oh, okay. Well, and they even talk to um, in in
0: L.A. and they talk about the California or the the uh, it's the anarch free states, not the California free states. The anarch free states. Right. They talk about how unless it's shadow they're mostly right. They're mostly Bruja, and then they are Cative. But then I think this is something like there are some Gangro and some Ravno as well. Sure, that that fall in behind that. But basically, it's a Bruja movement for for you know. At the end of the day, we're talking 90% of your Anarch movement is going to be of the Bruja clan or their caitiff if they embraced and never told.
1: And out of L.A., it's because in the, in the freeze, I did it too just now, and <laughs> Shadowrun, anyway, <laughs> I apologize. In L.A. at this point, in this given time, for the way this book is written and, and outlines, and it holds, by the way, to this, there's nothing but gang warfare. Yeah. There's gang warfare straight up. To know L.A. is to know revolt. Right. It's in constant turmoil when it comes to the gang violence right? or the upper, upper 1% versus poverty. It's there. And they turn to the only what they know. And the Bruja clan, they gravitate. This is the modern rebellion right. is where they're at. And there's no history to tell because they're writing it as they do it. Right. And you have the fathers of, of the Bruja, well, of the Anarch Revolt. And the fathers are given Smiling Jack, Jeremy McNeil being, excuse me, Jeremy McNeil being the first of them. You have Smiling Jack being the most infamous of them. You have Crispus Attucks being the historical member of all this. And then uh, somewhere in the middle, you have Patricia Bolingbroke uh, lighting a candle under all this. And the, in other words, the known legionaries, the known stars of the Bruhat Clan are all Anarchs forging their own way through the world right. at this point. And uh, when we do
0: Los Angeles by night or LA by night, uh, we'll definitely get deeper into this, but We're
1: basically... Deliberately dodging them.
0: Right. The The... Uh, the end of this this tale
1: talks about the anarch-free states. So the traditions of the Bruja, they start off with talking about their meetings. And Bruja meeting, it's not just called a clan meeting. They refer to them as rants. And why they're rants, because the structure of a Bruja meeting, we could do this, we could have done this in our sleep, we've done this so right. much, is that an elder will be petitioned to rent out a space. And the her. elder can choose to have like an Elysium, which if you recall what an Elysium is, is, you know, I won't say that you can recall. I know we talked about the definition briefly, um, but if you remember back to the storyteller's guide, they define an Alicia as being something a prince declares a historical location of significance that no harm can happen to it. Therefore, when they have meetings there, they cannot talk about politics. They're not supposed to. It's supposed to be the prince is there to meet all his denizens in the city for them to petition him for whatever reason or have chats or what have you. It's social hour for vampires in a polite fashion. Well, an elder of the Bruhat clan gets petitioned to have a meeting, or a rant, as they refer to it. He knows, I better go rent out a warehouse that can take some damage and nobody cares about. Because what's going to happen is, it always starts where a rant, they lay out the framework in this book for it, is that first you call a big rave, a big city party very underground, and all these young kids and the lifeblood of the city get invited everyone who's anyone who's an outcast or just likes to have fun or what have you are supposed to come gather and enjoy this party. And every Bruja spends some something to it, whether it's their time an organization, money, influence to get drugs or what have you, or, or sexual entertainment, whatever they want to do to get the, get the blood there. Everyone parties. Everyone has a good time. Every Bruja is supposed to feed and enjoy that moment because they want them calm for what's coming, which is the political aspect Once the the rant's ready to be called, they get rid of everybody that's not supposed to be there. And by doing that, we're talking about mortals. They'll they'll excuse them. Now, an important thing to note is that what's unique to the Bruja, friends of a Bruja can be there at this rant. You know, they're guests of that person. Here's the catch-22. That person can't say squat. They're there to observe, to hear. Well, it can't say squat initially. They have to wait to be called upon. And more importantly, it's a very weird, it's an old, it's an old system. It's like in the Senate of Rome. If, if I want to speak and I don't have the station to speak uh, ahead of anybody else, I have to have my ideal supported by one of, some of my fellow uh, Senate member who does have the clout to allow me to speak with him standing behind me which is how that goes, they adopt this system here. What you need to understand is that this is the definitive proof that the idealists are correct about how it used to be in the days of old. And you start seeing in here, because this rant, this meeting, this gathering, it's no different than what the Senate did back in Rome. Right. They, they considered the purest form of democracy. And what's interesting about that is that Rome kind of got its stick from Athens because this is what they did there. And this is where you start seeing the whole Carthaginian theory. Maybe it had something to it. Right. And, and, but at the end of the day, we have to remember this is painted by the Bruja clan. And if it sounds confusing or convoluted, it's because that's how the book's written. This is from someone's memory of being told, being told, being told. Right. This is how it seems to come across. Now, the important thing is, though, what's cool about a rant? Everyone that's there now at this point, anybody can talk. Anybody can talk. And you're gauged by how well you speak. You're gauged by what you're talking about. Like, me and Nate... In a form of a way on this podcast, even, we're kind of not even debating, we're just informative at the moment. But imagine if we chose to debate, Right. you know, point, counterpoint, you're going to care as a listener based on who had the better shit to say. Right. It's that simple, right? You're thinking it's a typical debate. One caveat. how want to get the other the frenzy. <laughs> right. It's not good enough. I don't win... Until someone loses
0: control, right? I want you so pissed off that you can't help but run across the
1: goddamn room and tear my head off. Because there's no time limit, you can go until you can't, right? And how this works is is that the majority of the room can choose to bounce you. Man, you suck. You need to shut the hell up. Right? Now You're think, done.
0: Think of twenty or thirty other bruja in a large city, Katif, whoever, punk right. rockers, gangbangers, businessmen, glam hounds. It didn't matter. And, and you say something that's stupid and now you get to deal with the wrath of the clan as they shout you down and just shut you down. You know, that's and it, it, it very rarely in a tabletop game. I think a, an effective storyteller can really like portray this. The best, though, is when you're in a live action element and you sure. are in a huge game and you have 20 or 30 members of the Bruja clan and they mimic is, it, right, and 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 it's just the the rant is just nonstop, and it, like that that is a lot of that can be a lot of fun. You can also have
1: the opposite. Well, the the other other portion of the rant is mm-hmm. that elder who's hosting or what have you, if they choose to speak, you're stuck, <laughs> right? You don't get to say shit, and it's not just because they provided the home. Usually, that elder, an elder in a vampire, especially a Burak clan, is the guy who gets to crush your head and the four people who supported you. In the blink of an eye, if he chose to, or she chose to, right? So every Bruja knows it, and they're just sort of like, yeah, all right, cool. And it's <laughs> like you're getting lectured by your parents. This is
0: definitely not your your venture clan meeting. This is no. definitely not happening in a boardroom, and it's definitely not uh, it's not point counterpoint. At a, at, a, at 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 at, a, at
1: times, it just becomes
0: a shouting match.
1: When they show, when they first, when they start mentioning the rant itself they actually show you the the debate section when you get into it that we've already talked about but it shows you a rant gone south where someone said something wrong and they split into internal factions at the party uh people have guns drawn on each other there's a there's an i an individualist trying to hold back people to calm down there's a kind of class just tearing it up beating the shit out of each other that's a bruja rant right that's a right. bruja rant something said wrong someone didn't like it and they right. fall apart Right. Which is like all democracies.
0: It starts with the best of intentions,
1: (laughs) which, which is the point, which is the very point of it, which makes it pretty freaking cool. Um, They get into sort of crimes against Bruja, which really there's only one real crime.
0: And it's acting against other Bruja.
1: That's it. That's it. It's getting in the way of another Bruja and letting your clan know about it because you're not standing up for them at that point. Right. You're in the way of progress. That
0: That is the one thing that they establish very heavily in this book. Um, that, that to a, to a degree kind of falls to the wayside later on, but it is, uh, the, the Bruja are designed to always be there regardless of political affiliations, regardless of ideals. They're there to back their fellow clan members. That was kind of the big thing.
1: They have to, because then it mentions punishments, right? Mm And when you read, when you read this, you start laughing that, you know, Bruja have punishments. They do. It's not supporting you. Right. Like, you may think the punishment is kicking your ass or you've seen your last day. That's definitely part of it. Oh, yeah, you anger the wrong hob. Oh, sure. But if it's brought to a clan decision, your primogen pulls your card. You're not even treated as a brouhaha anymore. Right. It's not, and pretty much you're left as a scapegoat for any crime that could possibly happen because they won't be there to help you out. Right. And that's the point. So it's like one of the worst punishments that call about it because if you're a clan of outcasts already, and you're an outcast about outcasts you might as well be a cative. right no one gives a shit and
0: i think the next thing they talk about are some of the disciplines that are unique to the bruja clan if i remember the book correctly
1: they do i mean it get into a little bit about a, about a hierarchy but we'll skip that because right. we already talked about it you know what it is yeah literally you know it uh because uh there's only two things to note distinctly besides that um the first one is that you know bruja elders you can be in the top ranks of the Bruja clan itself as a worldwide by influence, which is how Jerry McNeil got there, mm-hmm. just knowing everybody's everybody, or by power. Right. By raw physical power. I'm a Bruja because I can tear your fucking head off and make you like me for it before I do it. <laughs> right. And that's the way it goes. Right. Those are the two tiers that are gone by because the Bruja, over any other clan. Like, when we get into Tordor, they'll talk about how they have people who love them, blah, blah, blah. That's that's not majority. That's key individual people of note and influence because of their snobbery. The Bruja clan get crowds yeah. to support them and love them. And so if you have that influence over crowds and gangs and mortals, that that's it. That's where the power we're, is. We're
0: talking labor unions. We're talking uh, uh, Antifa
1: movements. We're talking about anarchists. We're talking about socialist. Tyler, we mentioned Chicago owns in lockstep the O'Hare Airport. Right, That's incredible influence. Incredible influence. And it's the people who run that airport and own it that she has that influence in. Where some may not have seen the the worth in it, she did. And what's important about this is that when you think about this hierarchy, you realize, wow, the Burak clan is the most mortal like in yeah, an aspect. It's all walks of life. Definitely. It's everybody wants to belong somewhere and these are the guys who made a home for it. And just the things they control and the things they talk about and, of course, how their meetings go. Right. That's, that very much is like that. They very much
0: are the the, the one clan that walks the closest line between vampire and, and mortal existence. They spend the most time around mortals. They interact with them the most. Very distinct. Very distinctly.
1: And then, yes, as Nate was saying, we get into the fun part, the powers. Ooh, I think there's only like, what, three in there?
0: Yes. Yeah, Which which are great you know if you're if you're into that sort of thing um but they talk about the uh, each each uh, um each faction of the Bruja clan has their own specialty discipline and i think this is really like one of the first occasions where they start to talk about like combo disciplines and they really start to diversify here how disciplines can be used differently and how like individual clans might actually have their own adaptation of of the disciplines of uh, the of that no other clan is going to have based right. on their development based on you know just how they use it i think it's uh burning wrath scourge of electo and um fuck, i can't remember the third one iron heart it's okay Ironheart. you
1: did them in order which <laughs> i was impressed with
0: so yeah i forgot about that last one but uh the burning wrath of course are
1: iconoclasts I think that's the most famous vampiric power. Right. I punch you a lot and do you a lot of damage. It's, it's hand damage is aggravated, which, great, if you don't know what that is, it means that the Bruja is able to combine their vampiric speed and their vampiric strength into a form of just raw, stripping, flesh-stripping power. They hit you so quick, it's burning the flesh from your body by friction. At this point, right. that's their description. Right. Complete horseshit. It makes you think of E. Honda and the hundred-hand slap. Right. <laughs> that's that's what, it's, that's what it's trying to say, or Chun-Li, right. if you prefer kicking. And that's where it is. Even in the book, it shows this woman with amazing speed kicking this dude who hasn't even had a chance to put the fork in his mouth at dinner. And it's funny to me mm-hmm. that that's what's there. But that's what every player's, oh, I got to get to burning hearts, brah. Let's be mm-hmm. so, because Ag Damage is king in right. Vampire at this point, and really at any point. But this is how Bruja get it. And when it's trumped, it's it's in conjunction with their strength. It's devastating.
0: Then right. I believe, if memory serves, we have Scourge of Electo, which allows the uh, Bruja who would uh, perhaps be frenzying or about to frenzy to transfer that rage to someone else. Let Allow their beast to manifest. Exactly so. in So you've pissed me off to such a degree that I'm about to frenzy. Somehow through my mystic capabilities, I can transfer that into you and uh i don't remember if it's uh if in this version the my beast sort of tears through you or it just causes you to frenzy
1: i believe it just caused the frenzy i say that and i will turn to it hang on Mm -hmm. so it says yes absolutely this is this is an elder power or it doesn't say elder but it's the idealist faction power as long to suppress their frenzies they do not revel uh, in them like the Iconoclast, nor accept them as do the individualists. Instead, they fight the beast every step of the way. So, some become so adept in inhibiting their frenzies that they actually learn to turn them on their foes. A Brewer who wishes to learn the Scourge of Electo must first develop a celerity of two and a presence of four. By spending a point of willpower and concentrating on a foe for a turn, the Brewer can turn his own beast loose inside his foe and watch it claw out. Yeah. So yes, this is the one that causes damage to them. Yeah. Uh, for it. And very interesting. In this is the fact that Celerity is part of the mix. Yeah, it's kind of weird. Don't know where that comes from, but all right, hey,
0: all right, we'll go with it. And then the last one is Ironheart, and uh, I believe uh, that one just raises your like it makes you immune or or makes it harder to use uh, Presence and dominate powers against you.
1: It makes it incredibly hard. Yeah, you're not immune, but it's it comes from the fact that this is the individualist, and they're just. Right. they're not buying it nope they're not swayed by your, your your it's supposed to be the resistance to the iconoclast and their ability to sway your emotions with their passionate speeches and whatnot and the to the elder bruja and their mind control if they choose to be that dastardly with it right and they ignore it they just walk around not not being yeah. bothered by one way or the other so uh pretty
0: interesting uh unique uh very first
1: version of uh combo disciplines Pretty nifty. Yeah. And it is right. It's shocking to me. That is the first. And then of course it gets Bruha and the world. This is where you actually see how the bones, this whole this whole book, the very idea of the clan book, it's gonna have its framework, right? Right. It's gonna have talk about its history. Well, first it's gonna have his intro story, giving you the flavor of what's in, in the book. Then it's gonna talk about the history of them, their ancient history, to the modern. Then it's gonna get into the clan makeup and who they are and why and what they do, titles and whatnot. Then it gets into powers, like it's supposed to, and then the final part of it is viewpoints, viewpoints about other clans, other sects, even as they get later right. on. And here's the first one about just all the other clans, and these are distinctly brah flavored, <laughs> right? Like just making fun of them. Like we really want to ruin it for you guys. I mean, it doesn't even ruin it, but it's one of those things where it's like it's not really worth. It's like it's like tongue in cheek most of it, right? It you know, you the opinions of of all the other clans.
0: Does this this one just have the 12 clans or the 12 other clans? Rather, let's see. Because, because you, you remember, like in later books, they'll have not only the different clans, but also will have the like others,
1: whether it's werewolves or Sabat or has nine of them, has nine of them. The nine and I need care to comment on right. we'll put it that way.
0: It's probably the other Camarilla clans and some of the independents, possibly. Yep, you got
1: it. followers of yeah. said Giovanni. Uh, Ravno, they're right. in there, and Kadiff. Right. They're paying on it. And then uh, rolls into vampiric traditions, which I, I find this hysterical. You know, their viewpoint on the camera, the inner circle, and the Sabbat, which they iron home. Oh, these things do exist, and apparently clans do know about it. Right. Or don't, as as they were. I always find it funny. I don't know what the Inkanu are. How do you even know the fucking term then? Right. <laughs> like, you know what they are? What the hell? What are I we talking about say here? say it one time. Yeah, one time at a party, um, talk about being blood bond. How that works, how they treat their ghouls, uh, their view of diablerie, and, of course, the masquerade. Um, these things of note, I would state, they're pretty unique on ghouls and Bloodbond. Um, I like the fact that in a Bloodbond, they're opposed to it. Um, they understand that it can happen, and, you know, if you're two people in love, you know, who are we to say? But as a whole, it's just another chain of the man. You know, controlling some other's will is is not a good point. And they kind of get into that, because, again... Three different factions, they're just letting you know how the blood bond is. Right. Um, Then you get into ghouls and their function and usefulness, and they really tell you where they get their ghouls from, the typical ghoul that you would see in the Burak clan. And it gives you an idea of that. Everything else is just, what's a prince to them? What are the anarchs to them? And when you read these flavors, as you can imagine, they're, I I find them funny because it's almost like a duh. Right. Like when you're writing this, you only, it's literally about a prince, it's a paragraph, if that. Right. And right. so it's like, okay, well we could have figured that out. Let's move on. But like I said, it's the first clan book. They're not really defining this stuff any yet. They're just sort of toe the water. Right. Enough to be the book. In, in my point, in my opinion, at the beginning of this book and the last time when we get to templates, that's the whole of the book. You know, right when it starts talking about around the world, I would skip that and go to templates. Right.
0: Because at the end of the day, there is no right or wrong answer in the Bruja clan. No. Not at all. And uh, I think after that, it goes into the templates, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. It does. And then, uh, of course, we're introduced for the first time to the standard for all the clan books, both uh, the first edition, second edition clan books, and the revised edition, where they give you, the player, 10 different templates for you to either play straight out of the book or you know to take and adapt for your own, uh, through your own character. And again, this is going to be typified by... There is no right or wrong answer. You're going to see every type of of concept that you could think of, from the uh, the prostitute to the, the
1: fake rapper, right? <laughs> the anarchist Eminem before he was out. Think, oh I man, it was that, so good. I think
0: that that's probably more Vanilla
1: Ice, considering but, uh, the time. Sure, sure. Yeah. But I think the people listening are that might be an old term for him, so I'm just using you know <laughs> using the correct one. Uh, they even have a skinhead in here, and I enjoy that. You would think gangbangers and whatnot, but the fact they throw a skinhead in there.
0: Right. Because we have to remember that that this is a clan of rebellion. It's not about right or wrong ideas. It's about your perspective, your
1: passion, and your perspective. Maybe ideals is a better term. Right. It's a clan right. of ideals, not idealists. Right. And uh, that's and, and, not an idealist alone anyway. Right. And Yeah. And then
0: after that, uh, I don't know, do they, do they finish it off with the key uh, vampires of note? They do. Yeah, they do. I, mean, I, I know that uh, uh, Christmas Atticus is in there. Um, basically, the people we, we spoke about.
1: Already. Right. Jeremy Jerry McNeil, Christmas Atticus, Marie Folkhart, and Smiling Jack. Of note, I'm, I'm willing to talk about Smiling Jack. I mean, I think he's important enough to mention a couple times. Um, Smiling Jack is, is a boogeyman. Yeah. And that's how they mention him in here, too. That he's the gold standard anarch. Right. He's
0: the type of fellow to go from domain to domain, causing havoc, embracing new Bruja, and moving on before anybody can catch wind of him.
1: Just shaking him trees. Used to be a pirate. Mm-hmm. Fought under Blackbeard. All all sorts of right. things. And that's
0: another key player that or key character, rather, that is basically we're at the foundations of, of this game. And this character is gonna follow all the way along until the proposed end of the game and beyond so this is like a he's a major player uh same thing with jeremy mcneil these, yes. are, these are both like key players to the overall world plot of this game
1: and i like jeremy mcneil a lot in there too but like i said i'm gonna save him for la yeah i keep mentioning him because him and christmas addicts are i think white wolf did a beautiful job ringing them in and what they did and accomplished and it's superb yeah
0: Um, that's pretty much the end of the book. Um, a couple of things that I wanted to mention, um, first and foremost, the artwork on the front, the front cover of the book has that awesome Timothy Bradstreet artwork. Yep. Uh, it's kind of an iconic image. Like you look at it and that image is going to tell you right then and there. And I would say even more so than any of the other clan books is going to tell you right then and there what you're looking at inside this book.
1: Also live action. It's damn near every live action you've ever been to is a dude looked like that. <laughs> right.
0: <laughs> um, you can see that inside the book, the typeface is different. Um, there's more artwork. It's definitely more organized. And that organization is going to go th- pretty much forward, moving on to all the new books. Um, you can tell they're, they're pushing. We're very close to second edition. And depending on your perspective, this could even be considered second edition because this is the first clan book that comes out before the second ed uh, main book comes out. So I'm, I'm just going to say to me, this is a second ed book and you can really see it when you open it up and look inside. Right. It's just a better looking book. It's more visually organized and cleaner. And I'm sad. The
1: well, Bill for... Paxton image I was so excited about. I thought uh-huh. was in here. In the Sambat book,
0: <laughs> that's all right. You know, we we uh, we're going through books that haven't, for some of us, haven't been open since the nineties, right? So, you know, it's it's easy to misplace them because I I, I like to think of the your mind as kind of like a filing cabinet. You just throw everything into. It. You just throw all your shit in it, and uh, rereading the book, you know, it was a, it was a worthwhile read. Um, personally, my opinion on the book is, um. It's kind of dated material. You know, if you're going to be playing uh, Vampire the Masquerade, whether you're playing a live action or tabletop book or tabletop game, rather, you probably want to go with a revised edition book. This
1: book is one of two first drafts for clan books that had needed to be revised. The second being Malkavian that I I think we agree in unison on those two books. They were were rough at first, but it's all you had. And you didn't know better was coming. Right. The other revisions, I wouldn't agree with. I think that... And we'll get to those. Yeah. My favorite two books out of here, though, are La Sombra and mm-hmm. They're coming. Right. And I love them. And And of course, you should, because
0: this is going to be the real... Like, we'll get the Zemis and the La Sombra and the second edition main base book they'll give them their but they due.
1: blew their load right. on the first but time they, around they
0: did you, you could tell like this is something they had been working on for a couple of years right so those those I'm, I'm excited for as well oh Giovanni I don't know how I, oh my god Giovanni's
1: a great book too yeah
0: I, I really like the revised edition Giovanni but I feel like Justin Achille may have dumbed down the clan just a little bit I think he did great. He did great. Well, he did both. I thought he did. He did the he did the revised because Justin Achille doesn't even work for
1: White Wolf at this point. He's not even a thought. But he
0: did the revised clan book for Bruja. We'll
1: look into it because I thought I thought even from front of his own mouth he did the Giovanni book and then revised it too. He did the revised edition. I don't think he did the first uh, the first. To roll the dice on that, yeah, yeah. We'll take
0: a look, anyways. It's It's, it's later down the road. Yeah, it's not super important, but, um, yeah. I mean. Definitely a groundbreaking book. Definitely worthwhile to have to your collection, especially since you can get a hardcover. You can get an actual book for like five bucks.
1: Yeah, my excitement about this Bruja clan was because I'm actually thinking about the revised. Right. I like the revised a lot, a lot more than this edition and because uh, there's a lot more to talk about. It gives you a lot more room to get in things bruha
0: A great first edition to the clan books. Of course. Um, Again, though, if you're running a vampire game modern day, probably not necessary. You can get, get away with getting the new one. Well, that's my opinion
1: it might be great from a pers- for if you want to get the perspective of a 90s bruja, yeah moving absolutely. forward i'd say that yeah for sure because it is really a different perspective
0: in the new clan book i mean it's right. this is this is like goth central 1992 it's <laughs> right you know it's it's the era of rodney king it's the area era of la riots like of glam and slam that's right. what it's it was a, all it's about a different different era than it is you know 10 years later or eight years later or whatever but uh yeah, that's about it. Um let's see what what's our next book.
1: It's Delbury, Mexico.
0: Yeah. Uh that's our next two books, right? Delbury, yep. Mexico, and we're going to try to track down a copy of that mummy book. Um as much of a headache as it gives us.
1: It's, it's not that it's, it's it's mummy.
0: Yeah, no, I know. I I've never I've never read the mummy book. I have no I'm going into this blind. So We're going to give it a chance. We're going to try to track down a copy of it, read it, see what it offers. I'm going to try my damnness
1: and delete whatever he finds so we don't have to talk about it. (laughs) So that's that's what's going to go on. (laughs) So,
0: yeah, be prepared for next week. We're going to have a dueling banjos assault.
1: A twofer. Yeah.
0: Other than that, thank you for listening. We always appreciate it. We hope you enjoyed the book and the podcast. And until next week, talk to you later. Have a good one.